Okay, um, I'm going to talk for only about 10 minutes, but I'm going to try and cover quite a lot. So uh, um, and this is an incredibly detailed and complicated topic, so uh, there will never be some oversimplifications. This is a, the, the very short summary kids version of the uh, paper, which uh, will be published in the uh, National Institute Economic Review in about two weeks. Um, so do, go, by all means, read the, the more detailed version. So three things. First of all, what's going to happen in the short term? Second of all, what about the uh, Europeans already here? Probably some even in the room. Um, and third, what are the parameters of a post-Brexit migration system? So first of all, um, migration in the short term. And by this I mean basically what happens even though nothing's actually happened. Um, that is, what can we expect um, to happen to migration even though obviously um, free movement remains entirely in place. Um, until we actually leave the European Union, then we go onto a new system, whatever that is. But for the moment, at least, free movement is what it is. Um, not even the Prime Minister's uh, um, rather minor uh, set of deals will, will actually uh, um, be brought into to place. So um, what I, the, point, the main point I'm, I want to make is that um, although my forecasting migration is a mugs game, and I have um, tried to avoid it for all of my career, and uh, um, some of my colleagues have come to grief in uh, in, in so doing, um, I am now prepared for once to actually make a forecast and say that I expect migration to fall quite sharp, especially migration from the rest of Europe, to fall quite sharply in the short term. Mm. Four reasons for that. First of all, I think it had already peaked. It had risen quite a lot in the last two years because of the, uh, um, the ending of transitional controls on Bulgarians and Romanians. Um, that, that particular bulge has largely worked through the system. Um, second, uh, because the euro area labor market is finally beginning, albeit uh, rather anemically, something of recovery. Um, so uh, um, even absent Brexit, I think it would have begun to fall back. But Brexit will mean that that fall is, is greatly accentuated for three reasons. First of all, the UK economy and labor market is likely to slow. Um, I'm not saying that it's going to suddenly fall off a cliff, but it will certainly slow from the reasonably strong growth of the last couple of years. Um, that will reduce migration. But beyond that, um, uh, beyond that slowing, the, the, the sort of natural impact that a weaker labor market means lower migration, um, the fall in the exchange rate as a consequence of Brexit will have a con very considerable effect on reducing migration. We know from previous experience um, that migrants, particularly from Eastern Europe, do respond to changes in the exchange rate. That is, they do look at what their, their salaries here are worth in their home country currency. Well, we've just devalued the pound by 16, 17, 18 percent against the lot the blocky. That will impact on migration. Um, and then beyond that, um, there is a psychological impact. And I have to say that that um, uh, being too much of an economist about this, I, I completely missed this ex ante. Actually, I, and I should have thought of it. The psychological impact, which is very visible or, or audible if you talk to Europeans, um, the feeling that they're not welcome here anymore. Um, um, I think will induce a certain degree of return migration and certainly hinder my, uh, um, new inflows in the future. How much? Very difficult to quantify, but I'm reasonably sure that it will be material. Um, so for all those reasons, I expect migration from, uh, um, from Europe especially to fall quite substantially. Um, how much? Uh, we're doing some quantitative analysis of that now. That will come up with a forecast, which will, of course, be completely wrong, but at least we may give, <laughs> give us some idea of the sorts of orders of magnitude, and we hope to be publishing that before the end of December. So that's the first point, what's going to happen to migration. As I said, all this is 
before anything actually changes in legal or policy terms and before we leave the EU. Second point, what about the people already here? Um, and here there's been a lot of political noise. Um, there was the absolutely, uh, well, I'm not the lawyer uh, here, and there are better lawyers. There was the absurd um, uh, uh, contention by some on the uh, Leave side that oh, there was absolutely nothing to worry about. Somehow the Vienna Convention on Treaties meant that this was not a problem. Uh, um, uh, that That's not true, but, uh, um, but more substantively. I mean, I do think there is a considerable degree of political consensus that um, all or the vast majority of at least law-abiding um, EU citizens currently resident here should be allowed to stay. But my point is not about the politics of it, actually. Um, it's about the administrative aspect of this. We say that there are roughly 3 million European citizens here. Um, we do not know who they are. We do not know their names. That 3 million estimate comes from the Labour Force Survey. That is, that is it comes from taking the three or 4,000 of them who show up in the Labour Force Survey and grossing that up to the 3 million. We do not know who they are. We do not know their names. We do not have a population register. We do not count people in and we do not count people out. We do not know whether you were in the country, whatever your nationality was on the 23rd of June, unless you're out, from outside the European Union, in which case we probably have a reasonable idea. But the rest of us, Brits and Europeans, we do not know. Um, so, um, and moreover, even if we were, simply specifying a cutoff date, as someone suggested, clearly doesn't cut it. You can't have a system which allows the Spanish schoolboy who is here to uh, spend a week in London the right to permanent residence at the same time as you deny the Polish builder who went back home for a month to visit his family and wasn't here on June the 23rd or indeed Article 50 day. So that doesn't work. You need to have a system. That requires laws, guidance, computer systems, bureaucrats, an appeal process and all the rest of it. Um, this is going to be, and, and, and anyone within government will tell you this, this is going to be really, really, with the best political will in the world, even assuming that we come to a, a reasonably quick agreement with the European partners on this, this is going to be a long, difficult, complex, bureaucratic and painful process. There is no getting around the fact that the British state is going to have to process three million people, and even if it's a relatively light touch process. If you try to apply the process that we currently apply for non-EU nationals, we never ever reach the end. Mm -hmm. Um, the 57-page form, the sending your passport away, the documents or whatever. That's not going to happen. We'll come up with some light touch process, but it will be complicated, expensive, and bureaucratic. Um, and that's not pejorative. That's a system that is a good system that works will be complicated, expensive, and bureaucratic. And there will be hard cases, because when you have three million people being processed by a state bureaucracy, you have hard cases. What do I mean? Um, in blunt terms, what I mean is that we will inevitably give full access to British citizenship to a few rapists and murderers and general undesirables. The Mail and the Express aren't going to like that. I mean, we won't, we'll try not to, but it will happen one way or another for various legal reasons. Um, and we will kick out some perfectly law-abiding, um, respectable working people who happen to fall on the right side of the wrong side of the line. Well, the Guardian's not going to like that very much. Um, and this. I say this is not a political point. This is just what happens when you put in place systems to deal with three million people. Um, uh, having worked for a long time in the Department of Work and Pensions, um, I can tell you, you know, there are always hard cases. This is what bureaucracy does. Um, so I think, what does that mean? Well, the, you know, the me what it means is, again, with the best will in the world, even if things work out well, there's going to be a long period of uncertainty for the individuals involved in the bi and businesses. Um, and there's really no getting around that. We will not clarify, you know, uh, if, if there's anybody here who's a European citizen who works for Cambridge University, I can give you um, a pretty 
ironclad reassurance that in the end you'll be okay. But equally, it's going to take a while before you get that document which says that. It will take a while. And if you have um, uh, any sort of, if you have family, if you have any sort of complicated family situation, it's going to, you know, there's going to be uncertainty. That's a, that's a necessary consequence of, 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 of what we're undertaking. So, point three, new system. Um, what happens next? Well, uh, um, um, Theresa May has said uh, um, that, uh, we, that, that we will establish control, that is, we will have control over our immigration system. It will not be part of, subject to any supranational discretion. That rules out one end of the spectrum. It doesn't rule out anything else in the spectrum. What do I mean by that? Well, there is a spectrum that ranges from free movement, as is now at the one end, to the system that was proposed by vote leave at the other. Um, not the system that was proposed by, the conceptual framework proposed by vote leave at the other, which was simply that there should be no discrimination between European citizens, non-UK European citizens, and people from outside the EU. That whatever system you have, it should apply to everybody. So that's one end of the spectrum, that we have you know, a non-discriminatory system, as it were. Um, at the other end of the spectrum, but still not at the free movement, but still within notionally Theresa May's parameters, are various um, versions of, uh, of a system which would significantly restrict free movement, but would still leave in place a considerable degree of the labour mobility that currently exists between the UK and the EU. So you could, for example, have a reasonably generous overall quota for EU citizens, um, that would be very different from the, the system that exists for non-EU citizens. You could have um, an emergency break that said we can have X thousand a month and after that we stop it. You could have um, a system that's similar to non-EU citizens but is more generous or lax or liberal. That is to say the occupation, salary level, skill threshold uh, that currently apply to non-EU citizens. You'd have a version of that for EU citizens but it wouldn't be as demanding. You'd get away with NVQ3 instead of NVQ4 in certain sectors and so on. Or you could have sector-specific schemes, um, as we used to have for agriculture, which everyone talks about, but frankly, a sector-specific scheme is a lot easier to operate for agricultural workers than it is to say for people who work in coffee bars. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm slightly skeptical, but still, all of those options are still on the table and that whole spectrum still remains, uh, remains open uh, as far as the government is concerned. Um, and, and you know, when, when I think when they say they don't want to show their hand, that they, they don't want to put their cards on the table, the reason is that they don't actually have any cards yet. They're busy trying to uh, work out what those cards are. Um, so I think they've genuinely not decided where on that spectrum they want to be, and there are obviously different voices and different interests arguing for that. Um, and it also ties, you know, and, and where they choose they want to be will depend on how they see that fitting in with the rest of the negotiations. There's a lot of awful lot of uncertainty. Um, and there's an awful lot to play for, for those of us who operate in this policy space, and indeed for businesses and others, and individuals lobbying government, because I think you know, you, the, those systems <coughs> differ quite uh, dramatically between each other. Um, one thing I should say is though that whatever, um, I'll just make a few points uh, uh, um, that are really, what, first of all, whatever system we have, um, uh, many of you will know this, but, but it's surprising how, how often this point is misrepresented in the press, or certainly by politicians on all, from all sides of the spectrum, or mainly. You know, ending free movement is not fundamentally about border control. It really isn't. It's not about stopping people coming in. Under almost any conceivable situation, um, your um, Polish people will be able to fly into Stansted, show their passport, and get into the country, just as Americans do now. 
The difference is that at the moment, um, Poles can then take their passport to an employer and immediately, more or less, show that passport as more or less proof that they're entitled to work legally here. Whereas an American can't, because an American's passport does not have a stamp in it saying you've got a, unless they're here as a tourist, they don't have a stamp saying you've got a work permit or a work visa. Um, so it is, that will change. What does that mean? It means that, you know, we will be enforcing the end of free movement, not in, not through, the, not in border controls, not at the borders, but in the workplace. Employers will be enforcing that. And that really matters, obviously. Uh, 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 um, you know, that means, once again, as with the three million, you know, a large increase in bureaucracy, a large increase in the, the size and the, the, the scope of the British state, which I think is, is, is a, a, a quite important point. Um, so, so there will be um, more bureaucracy, there will be less labour market flexibility, but there are a lot of, of points on that spectrum we could choose. Um, and the final point that I, 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 again, I think is very important is that, you know, under almost any circumstance, there will be a significant reduction in inflows of skilled workers from the EU, as well as unskilled workers. There is a view um, taken by, you know, that, that, that I hear frequently, well, you know, immigration is fine, and of course immigration is good for the economy, but surely we should only take the people we want and not the people we don't want. The problem is that, you know, we're in a, this is a market economy, we don't centrally plan the labor market, and we do not get to choose who comes here. They get to choose. Um, and the idea that um, even a relatively liberal system for skilled workers uh, to come here will attract the same number of skilled EU workers as was the case under free movement is pure fantasy. It's not going to happen. Um, it will not happen because there will be significantly greater costs on employers, but it will also not happen because there will be significantly greater fewer, uh, it will be significantly less attractive to individuals. Why is that? Well, because even if you are a star professor at Cambridge, uh, um, and we say, oh yes, of course we can get your work visa, you still have to fill in for the forms. You still have to get the work You still have to worry about what your spouse is going to do. You still have to worry about your children and what's going to happen to them if they're going to be spending a few years growing up in British schools, um, what their citizenship or legal rights mean in the future, what their prospects might be. You know, this is how, Migrants are people, and migrants make decisions based on all of these factors. And simply saying, yes, we will have work visas for skilled people and expecting the same number of skilled people to come here, it's not going to happen. Um, and uh, um, we, are, we are just going to have to, and that, I, as I said earlier, I suspect is beginning to happen already. Um, it, that, that will intensify, uh, and that will have some negative economic impact. Um, the scale and scope of those impacts, I think, are you know, it, it's far too early uh, to assess. Um, but um, you know, so the, the the bottom line is, um, w you know, we know actually rather little as yet. We haven't closed off many options on what the future immigration system uh, uh, um, for Europeans will look like. Um, but it is likely to involve entail a significant reduction in both skilled and unskilled migration, a significant increase in bureaucracy and the scope of the state. And some negative, some reduction in labour market flexibility and negative economic impacts. Although too soon to say how large those will be. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed.